Hi there, and welcome to the Amy Kunkel Audio Hour. On today's episode, I am talking with Corey Miner-Smith. This week is Mental Illness Awareness Week, and Corey is an advocate for mental health. On this episode, we talk about her book, Hashtag Driven, and what she has done in her life to overcome the things that many people could see as boundaries or stumbling blocks or barriers to really achieving a full life because of her mother's mental illness. And we talk about a lot of things that she is doing in the community and to help other people understand the support that is available to families that are facing someone that they love with a mental illness. So I hope that you enjoy this episode. I hope that if it resonates with you, that you would share it with a friend. Towards the end of the episode, our uh, internet connection was a little wonky. So uh, please just have patience through the interview. But it's really a great episode. I encourage you to follow Corey at Corey Empowers. And let's go to the show. Thank you so much, Corey, for being on today. Thank you for having me, Amy. Well, we met when we both were doing a, an author's fair, uh, oh gosh, I don't know, six months ago or something, and I hadn't published my book yet. So I was so impressed at your book, and it didn't look self-published at all. You really have your act together. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> So why don't you maybe just give us a little bit of background on you and maybe how, let's just start with, tell us who you are and kind of what you're doing in the world. Sure. Well, my name is Corey Miner-Smith. I'm an attorney, now author, and um, I'm an attorney, author, and transformational speaker. I work in my full-time job. I'm general counsel for a housing authority, um, but my passion job is speaking, and I like to go out into the community to increase awareness about mental illness and resources that are available in the community, and also just um, uplifting youth in our community. I went through a lot of different challenges throughout my life, and I use my life story to try to help encourage and inspire others. Excellent. Do you want to give people a little bit about your background? I always kind of like to tie in how people were raised because I know it really shapes who they are. And I know that's true of you because I have your book. So give us a little bit about how you were raised and how that shaped who you are today. Sure. So my book is called Hashtag Driven. And that title really just sums up um, a characteristic of me uh, in regards to all of the challenges. So I mentioned that earlier and essentially 14 different schools, three states and eight different households. So I definitely didn't have the traditional nuclear family. Um, my parents did, you know, attempt that at the beginning, but it did not work out. And overall, I ended up in eight different households. And that's including both parents individually, both grandmothers individually, as well as friends and other family members. Okay. And um, I know you spent some time in California. You're in Ohio now. Correct. How long, 
did you move in high school? Is that right? Well, I moved a lot of times throughout my life. Uh, so Ohio is where I started and we left Ohio before I started school. So I actually started school in California and I also lived in Texas. So ultimately I returned to Ohio after living in Texas and it was um, kind of like the introduction of knowing what was wrong with my mom in regards to mental illness because she left me in Texas uh, and that's when I lived with relatives so that I could try to finish out the school year. Okay, do you wanna talk, talk to people a little bit about your mom's story and how that has really propelled you to be so passionate about educating on mental illness? Yes, it actually started, as I look back on it and you know, I've been in counseling about it, um, the earliest time period may have been when I was like three or four that we knew something happened uh, with my mother. Um, but as far as me being directly involved in it, I was say I was around 12 or 13 years old. And that was the first time that she was committed into the hospital. Um, and it's just been a traumatic roller coaster uh, being there for her, which I want to do. And I know it's difficult for families and friends to have a loved one living with mental illness. So I share my story because it is hard. There's no magic wand that will make it better. You know, medication is great if it is the right medication for that person and helps to minimize the symptoms related to their uh, mental illness. In my mother's case, in the case of a lot of other people, they can take medication, but ultimately feel that they don't need it and then stop taking it. And it's really like a vicious, vicious cycle. So I've spent a lot of my time just trying to understand the illness myself, ultimately being there with my mother and really learning that I did not have to do it by myself, me or my family, because my family helps out a lot. Her sisters, her brothers help out a lot with um, just trying to make my mom or help my mom to have the best life that she can. Okay. And yeah, that's the family support system is very important do you have a big family well i'm an only child which makes it quite difficult you know when i was in college my mom asked to live with me and i i mean what college student wants to live with their parents right unless they're like commuting or something like that but i was not commuting i went away to school and uh, my mother asked to live with me and as her only child i didn't feel that i could or should say no so she did come to stay with me and it was unbearable um, when she went into a decline mentally. And that's when I realized that there were resources available in the community and I would reach out for help in order to help my mother. Um, but I would just recommend that people not try to do it alone. You know, the first full week of October is uh, Mental Illness Awareness Weekend. So I really appreciate you using your podcast as a platform to increase awareness about mental illness. Thank you. Well, and I actually did a speech um, that's going to be on my uh, the Toastmasters website because I've um, I've had anxiety, which is very uh, probably simple or minimal on the scale as you know as to how bad it can get. Right. Um, but I feel like one of the things I want to talk to you about after I've done some of this research to do the speech that I did is really just the, the two most common treatments are talk therapy and prescription drugs. And I feel like neither of them really 
do a permanent issue. Yeah. Yes. So the thing that brought us together was that movie, um, documentary crazy wise, because it was talking about Eastern medicine, not Eastern medicine, but <clears throat> Eastern religion and philosophy as it intersects with Western and for Western, I'm talking about the talk therapy and the, you know, medication and the Eastern is the mindfulness and the uh, centering. And so, um, let's talk about, you know, just treatment for a little bit, because I want to touch on that. Um, what's your experience or your mom's experience, I guess. So your mom is the one who had the mental illness. Yes. Right. She was diagnosed uh, with manic depression, schizophrenia. Um, and just even just trying to understand and learn my, my whole thing, it seems throughout my, my life and, and trying to help my mother was what did, or what do family members do? What can they do to help? Because many times individuals don't want the help and that can make it even more complex because, you know, they have their rights and they don't have to go to the hospital. They don't have to take the medication or go to counseling or whatever the case may be, unless there is an involuntary commitment. And even that has limitations to it. So in regards to medication or just uh, treatment, it really takes an assessment of that individual person. Because just because individuals have the same diagnoses doesn't mean that the same treatment is going to work for those different people. So I think it's very important for number one, the person to want the help, the person to want to engage in treatment and to engage and be open to different types of treatment that may be able to help them to live um, the, the best life that they can live with their disease. Yeah, I, I feel like the goal is, like you said, living the best life that's possible. And yeah. so um, one of the things that I talk about, and maybe maybe you're familiar with this or not, it kind of came onto my radar recently, is this thing called rapid transformational therapy. And it's mm -hmm. a form of hypnosis. Because I find that largely the, the problems are in our conscious mind. And if you are able to get to the root of the cause, like you probably don't know maybe what, what caused your mom's mental illness. Right. And it likely happened before she was 10 years old and she wouldn't have any memory of it either. Right. And so going back in, in that regression and hypnotherapy, people discover the root cause of it. Yeah. And I think that's important important too because many times uh you know we don't know whether an issue is hereditary or late onset or early onset like you said before 10 years old but many times through hypnosis through um just counseling or some event that happens later in life it's a trigger for a traumatic event that may have occurred in that person's childhood that they don't even recall in some kind of way uh, suppressed and don't even realize that they suppressed it. So what brings to mind is uh, Keon Dooling. He's a former NBA player and he had an incident in the bathroom as an adult, you know, as a, a grown man married with children. And I believe someone touched him or something in the restroom and it was a trigger for him. And it wasn't until his mental health declined where his coach, his uh, uh, teammates noticed 
the behaviors that he was exhibiting and ultimately he was hospitalized but that hospitalization helped to bring about knowledge and awareness of what happened to him as a child and he was touched inappropriately as a child that he had no recollection of until this event that happened in his adult um, life yeah no and that that is so amazing that that happened and that triggered that memory um a podcast that i did last week uh, we actually talk about that because she the woman laura that i interviewed talks mm -hmm. about going into that regressive like the past memories and people finding out things like that that they were abused right right um, so um, with my, with my mother you know she has a total of six of them she's the oldest of six children and so her brothers and sisters can recall you know different behaviors that she may have exhibited such as being uh extremely self-conscious or having low self-esteem or things like that and whether that tumbled into you know more severe you know depression or her um, delusional symptoms that she has with the schizophrenia we really don't know it's likely that it could be um, that situation in her childhood but what ultimately is the situation now is helping her to live the best life helping her to see the importance of knowing she can't do it on her own you know whether she feels she doesn't need the medicine or counseling or whatever the case may be that these resources are available and if you want to live the best life where you're able to work and live on your own and drive a car just things that we take for granted on a daily basis then there are resources available in the community to help you do that mm -hmm. well and getting back to that movie crazy wise one of the experts they had on there is dr gabor mate and mm -hmm. he has some statistics that show that everyone that he works with in the shelters and you know inner city la or can't remember where he works or might be somewhere in canada but all of them had past trauma and abuse in their life yeah. so it's hard to not connect them and whether people remember it or not or want to remember it, it's it's hard to heal something that you're not aware of right so and that's kind of what i'm hoping to talk to people about is ways that they can open up those things to heal them and move on right and I, and I appreciate that because you know while i'm here talking about my mother and those who may have been diagnosed with a mental illness there are those that are around them they're you know like in my case i'm her daughter and so i have directly been impacted by her symptoms or behaviors and because i'm not going to say it's because i'm her only child but i receive the brunt of it whether she you know her good and her bad and that led to her ultimately attacking me now how did that impact me at first you know i didn't want to think about it i didn't want to focus on it i didn't want to go to counseling about it i was a teenager in high school i just wanted to move on but i did not realize until now me being an adult 45 years old that i still have fear of my mother from that situation that happened when i was 15 years old that led me to be in the court system and to have the court to determine my life as to where i was going to live after that attack happened so even as an adult i have a level of fear of my mother that is directly attributable to what happened back when i was 15 although i haven't wanted to acknowledge that or 
think about it any anymore. Right. Yeah. And I think for you to have to be able to like work through those feelings, you have to like, you're having that awareness now and hopefully then you can move on. Yeah. And acknowledging it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause even also, you know, in my adult life, again, my mom, <laughs> me being her direct, um, subject of her of her anger or whatever the case may be but there were a number of times where she would come to my house in the middle of the night or to my job throughout throughout the day and it happened so much I would guess um that I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking that my mom is at the door and the only thing that uh brings me to the realization that it's not her is that I don't hear her voice so I hear the banging on the door I hear the doorbell ringing but it's all in my mind. And so I've talked to my counselor about that and it's kind of like a form of PTSD, like post-traumatic stress disorder where I'm really thinking that I hear this stuff and my reality you know, becomes my awareness and that it's not my mom. I'm just thinking that it's my mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's intense when you're dealing with, I mean, and I kind of, um, not kind of, but I definitely believe that our unconscious, like those things that you've suppressed will start to show up in your dreams. They'll start to yeah. show up in, in your life. So, um, yeah. And in my case, it's the fear. I mean, paralyzing fear where, you know, you have your, when you, you fight, flight or fight and I want to run, but I can't run cause I'm literally paralyzed in fear. And that's like one of the scariest things ever. Cause you can't like protect yourself. Um, in your mind, you want to protect yourself, but you can't because you're so scared that you are frozen solid. So I just encourage people, you know, to talk about these things because they're very important. They're very real and they can really impact your life if you don't gain some control and awareness of what you might go through. Mm -hmm. um, I talk a lot about awakenings and transformation where you take the potentially negative things and you move past it somehow. Do you have a point, and I, I kind of know this because of your book, but do you have a point that you turned the corner and went in a positive direction, you know, aside from everything that was going on in your life? Yeah, I mean, I really, <laughs> I think of one phrase that I say in the book and it's like being slapped into reality. So I guess that was my point of awakening. And it was going through my divorce and it wasn't just going through the divorce. It was just waking me up to everything to, you know, waking me up out of the denial regarding my mother, waking me up out of the denial of my relationship with my father and waking me up out of this dream or picture that I wanted in regards to a family and marriage and knowing that, you know, just because those things aren't the way I wanted them to be, it doesn't mean we can't have a good life moving forward, you know, for myself, for my children, for their father. Um, it just didn't work out, right? And so it's like reality versus all of our shoulds and coulds and wouldas and rules, you know? Um, society has a lot of rules and people live their lives by them. Women who are maybe in their 40s and not married yet and don't have children. Well, you know, society would say, well, why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have children yet? Don't you want it? But what if she doesn't? What if she wants to focus on her career? Maybe later in life when she feels she's more mature and ready, you know, to uh, be married. So I really think it's important for people to take time to self-assess 
and to understand what they want, not based on family traditions or societal norms or society's rules, but what that person wants for his or her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I talk about that in terms of like this program that we were raised in and the program that we're operating out of is largely from Disney and the church, whether, you know, you're supposed to get married till death do you part or like whatever it is that influences us. We have all these rules that are put on us. And so being able to break free of that and find your own truth and stand confidently in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I, I real I didn't realize how much, uh, leave it to beaver influence, (laughs) but I I mean, before I even became a mother, I knew I wanted to be like, uh, Mrs. Beaver. I wanted to have after school snacks for my kids and just be there, you know, as a mother. And especially because I didn't necessarily have that throughout my life. So the things I didn't have in my life, I saw on television and adapt, you know, wanted it for my life once I became a grown up, if you will. And I didn't let that go. Um, so I'm really, really glad to have my time of awakening and to realize that my life can be what I wanted based off of my beliefs and what I've learned and my experiences thus far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. I think people don't realize how much uh, TV personalities or the stories that we kind of tell ourselves, how much we're really clinging to that. And yes. Yeah, so... Uh-huh. And feeling like that's how it's supposed to be. Like, if, and then if you don't, then, you know, it's what's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> situation, so. Right. I've, I've definitely known a lot more people who have, like, either gone through divorce or gotten to their 30s without kids. And there's just so much pressure. And we don't even understand why there's so much pressure. But it's because we've identified with the story of how we think it should be. Right. And that's why with mental illness, because it's, it's like taboo, you know, people don't want to talk about mental illness. You know, you have that family member in most any, I mean, on television and movies or just in real life, you have that one family member that's always in the bedroom and no one ever questions it. They know there's something wrong with that person or some reason why that person is always in the room, but you don't talk about it. And I think it's important that we understand they're just they're a part of this society this world just like we are and i talk about in my book this movie called um oh the soloist it starred jamie fox and it's based off of a real life story about nathaniel Ayers, and he's a homeless man that lives in skid row in los angeles and he first started showing signs of mental illness when he was at the school of juilliard and at the end of that movie he's at a very um like an orchestra. Uh, So everyone's in black tie, you know, tuxedos and gowns, but he's clearly in a tattered tuxedo with patches and buttons all over it. But what was so amazing to me in that movie is how the camera zoomed out from the crowd. So while it was focused solely on him and you could see his tattered jacket and buttons and uh, things on his uh, jacket, as it zoomed out, he blended in with everyone else in their formal attire and their tuxedos and gowns. And you couldn't see his tattered jacket anymore. And that's how I feel in regards to mental illness and those who may have it. They may appear different. You know, you see them walking on the streets in tattered clothes, pushing a, ba- a basket full of stuff, but they are a member of society just like we 
are and we should not treat them differently. And, and ultimately knowing that there are people that love and care about them, like my family and I love and care about my mom, but there's only so much that we can do. We can't stop her from living on the street. We can't stop her from you know, going into a vacant house and staying there with no utilities. And that really happened. You know, it really happened. We can just be there for her uh, when she needs us and to try to be there on a daily basis as much as she allows us to. What are your thoughts on hereditary and mental illness being passed down, um, you know, from your mother? Well, um, I know it's definitely a possibility. I know I want to do more research on it because I have been presented with information about it uh, being hereditary, like directly from a grandmother to grandsons. And I don't understand the direct link to that, but I do want to read more about that and just understanding, um, you know, if, if that is a case or there's a likelihood of that happening, what do you do? in your family planning. If you have, you know, mental illness in your family, just like with diabetes or, you know, in the African-American community having sickle cell or whatever the case may be, there's a certain level of planning that you would have to have if you want to have a family. Um, so it's, it will require additional research. And I know that it is, uh, you know, a situation where individuals can have mental illness based off of heredity. Yeah. Well, and you have a son. So if it, if it's going from his grandmother to him, like, mm -hmm. again, awareness can probably solve a lot of these problems before they start. So mm -hmm. you are. Yeah. And I have two sons, um, mm -hmm. 23 and 16. And so, yes, you know, just being prepared. And what I really appreciate in the uh, medical world, as far as physicals for children, um, I was really surprised because I didn't see it with my oldest son, but with my youngest son going to just a regular physical, they start doing mental health inventories on children. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was great because, you know, we can't just wait till something happens. It's like a proactive approach mm -hmm. and just checking things out as they are developing and being able to address it at the time if there are signs of um, mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Well, and I tend to think that uh, mental health is potentially predisposed, but mm -hmm. not predetermined. And that's a discussion for much smarter people probably than <laughs> me. But that's my thought is like, of course, it could, you could be predisposed for it, but that doesn't mean you have to get it. Right. You know, right. I, I really believe we control a lot of um, our life by our intentions. And, right. Um, and you're definitely in the right place. Um, so talk about, um, what you speak on, because I know you do a lot of speaking and I appreciate that about you because I know just starting out having written my book, I'm like, wow, it takes a lot to get in front of people and, um, you know, have a, a number of people to talk to. So, um, maybe what do you speak about and what's maybe your favorite topic that you speak about? Okay. Well, it's about transformation of our mindsets, right? So individuals can limit themselves just by the thoughts that they have of what they can and can't do. Um, being able to achieve something or not because of a disability or not being able to get a promotion because, you know, you're a woman or whatever the case may be. So I believe that many times we're knocking ourselves out of the game just by our very own thoughts. So my purpose in uh, speaking is to help transform our mindsets 
starting with a self-assessment um, and understanding and knowing what we believe, what we think, and why, and how can we change that in order to reach the goals that we want to reach in our lives. Um, I came upon all of this, wow, there's just been so many obstacles <laughs> in my way, um, but I, through help with family and friends, have been able to overcome a lot of stuff, just alone 14 schools, I mean, all that that would entail, starting over every time, you know. I had my oldest son, my senior year in college. Um, a lot of people didn't think I was going to finish school. I'm not saying it was easy. It was definitely hard, but I was determined uh, to finish school and start in law school when he, you know, <laughs> was potty training. There's just a lot of different obstacles that can be in your way that will get in the way. And even though you make some level of success, whatever the success is in life, it doesn't mean that the obstacles and challenges are going to go away. And I share that um, because a lot of people want to be successful. They want to reach their goals and perhaps to believe that it's some easy route to get there, you know, because you were at the top of your class in college or because your parents were rich or whatever the case may be. But we all have problems. So ultimately, I am trying to help people to turn their problems into power so that they're able to help empower other people. Yeah, that that is really powerful. And I think you're right to get to the core of what people believe and why. Um, and that's one thing that I actually had the realization recently because I feel like um, I've been studying a lot on free will. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that we really don't have free will because we're again, kind of in a program that we're already predisposed to. Mm -hmm. So if you ask someone what they believe, they really only know a certain number of choices. So the more you can add into their experience, the more potential they have. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And also, yeah, in just allowing ourselves the opportunity to learn more, not being limited by our environment or where we live. It's so important for our youth, especially when they have those field trips to go to another state and to explore. I feel like that is the most valuable thing ever. Otherwise, many are already stuck in their mindset of, of their neighborhood and what's around them. And that may be all the opportunity that they see. Right. But, but getting out of your norm helps you to understand and hopefully embrace the vastness of this of this world and that there's so much more than where you live or what's in your household. Right. That That is very true. That's one reason that I really love traveling and mm -hmm. especially with my children is because there is some scientific uh uh, theory on why when we're in a different place our brain has to actually create new synapses as opposed to just running the program that it's been right running. right 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 you're breaking the monotony yes. of your norm. and that's, it, it, that's very important very very important yes. yeah um when you talk to people about what they believe and why is it religious is it about self-worth 
Is it just about what they believe they can accomplish or what? It's really all of those things and more. Because as we talked about earlier, and I know maybe minimize it talking about leave it to beaver, but there are so many things that influence us. And religion is a big influence on a lot of people, whatever the denomination. There are so many rules just in religion, in particular denominations for sure. And I know a part of my awakening, if you will, was realizing like, that's not all of life right? I feel like a lot of things I allow to happen in my life was to be a good Christian. Like you're supposed to, you know, turn the other cheek and, you know, not be mad or whatever the case may be, because you are being a good Christian. And I'm not downplaying, you know, religion, but I feel like what is more important is having a relationship with your higher power. In my case, God, my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, I absolutely believe in him and in God. Um, but my own relationship, not my relationship through religion or denomination at a church. That is what is important to me at this point in my life. Yeah, well, and that was a lot of my story as well. So I can relate to just that kind of, I call it like having blinders on. Yes. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a religion that's making those rules for you, and, you know, you have blinders on and you don't realize it because it's all you know, potentially. But I feel like a lot of people are kind of expanding their awareness. And I don't know if it's because of podcasts or the <laughs> internet or what, but I'm, I'm good with that. And I think it's important just to be willing to hear other perspectives. It doesn't mean that you have to uh, adopt it as your own but just being willing to hear other perspectives, other ways of life, other cultures, um, and acknowledging that those individuals are here on this earth just like we are and may not believe the same thing, but we don't have to condemn someone because of their lifestyle or because of what they believe or how they live their life. What I've always thought is like, that's between that person and their God, you know, or that person and their higher power, whatever it is, it's not any of my business. Um, <laughs> and I just think that we do ourselves harm trying to control or judge or criticize someone and what they're doing in his or her life. Right. Well, and I think, you know, that's one thing with religion is it, um, it I think it just keeps people stuck. And so having that expanded awareness of maybe what's actually good for you is the truth that will help people to really live the lives that I believe they are meant to live. Yes. And even in the, in the movie crazy wise, there was some aspect of uh, religion and um, I guess a, a level of understanding in regards to symptoms that a person may exhibit. I know one of the things that when my mom was first showing signs of severe mental illness, she wouldn't stop talking. And then it was like ideas of grandiose, like she was God, like she was Jesus and she could save people. And it was what I learned is that that is not unique to her. It seems to be some kind of underlying thought process of individuals who may experience mental health issues. And so that was touched on in uh, Crazy Wise. I want to learn more about that like what is the connection with that and it's just very interesting 
So I do have a theory. And my theory is based on Carl Jung, who mm. developed our persona and the idea of introvert and extrovert. And he's a, the father of depth psychology. And mm -hmm. he actually went through a period of time where he wrote what's called the red books. I think book or books. I can't, maybe just one. And it was actually this experience where he was on the, uh, on the tipping point to what he called neurosis. And I think that's what you are talking about is it's like being stuck in your unconscious or your subconscious, like just being stuck there. And um, what he mm. did was he kind of, because he was a psychologist, he was almost like pushing the envelope to see how far he could go before he couldn't come back. Wow. If that makes sense. Yes. Um, and he talks about when he was a child. Um, I hope I get this right because if any Jungian analysts listen, they will <laughs> correct me, but feel free to correct me. But he had developed this um, issue as a child and it prevented him from going to school. And he remembers as maybe like a, a elementary school child. He remembers hearing his father say something like, you know, I'm not going to be able to fulfill this business opportunity because my son can't go to school because of this neurosis that is happening in his life. And he said at that moment, something triggered and he stopped whatever it was. It was like some kind of clicking or something that would happen that prevented him from being able to go to school. And he was seeing then how it was impacting his family and just kind of all these things are playing out. And this was sort of when he discovered as a psychologist in his early years, mm -hmm. this is neurosis. It is like this getting stuck in this unconscious thing. But then when he discovered it, oh, what I'm doing is affecting my father and now it's going to affect my life. And he was able to kind of piece it back and it resolved itself. Mm. But I think what's happening, I mean, and I don't know, obviously you've talked to gazillion doctors, but I think for your mom, it's something like that where she's like stuck in her unconscious mind or her subconscious mind and the conscious awareness, like the connection to reality, it's just not there. For yeah, or not there regular time uh, time period, you know, on a regular basis. Just I, I can understand that, and it's just very um, interesting how you know she can. Do Hold on, hey Corey. Well, and then not you know the good days and the bad days. Uh, the mm -hmm. Yes. Can you hold on a second. The the connection is crapping out. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I'm kind of hoping to, it'll catch up here in a minute and we can restart that thought. Okay. But your video is lagging too. <clears throat> um, 
I don't know. All right, let's try try again to say that one more time. And if it doesn't connect properly, I might have to stop and restart. Okay, no problem. No, I was just saying I understand or you know can relate to that uh, theory um, and trying to just piece all of this together and understand how a person can have highs and lows and perhaps have a conscious awareness of life as it is, but then have the delusional state where it's life as it is not, at least to other people, you know. So it's very, very interesting. Yeah. Wow. Well, how is your mom in this current day and age? Oh, it's, it's the same. Um, so it, each day, I just take it day by day. And I think that's, again, the importance of talking and the importance of understanding and knowing about resources in the community because on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, things can change and you may need help uh, to get through. Even with housing, you know, that's a big issue for individuals with mental health issues because they may not abide by the lease, uh, have more frequency of uh, lease violations and then being evicted. Um, and it's hard to find uh, housing and things of that nature. So with that, it, you know, different behaviors come out because she has to move and she may not feel that we're helping her enough or whatever the case may be. So it's a day-to-day -day situation for sure. Well, and maybe in closing, we can kind of talk about what you do to maintain well, first of all, to grow, because we kind of talked about how that is so important to continue to grow, but then also self-care. How do you take care of you? Of you? Yes. Well, th thank you for that. Um, <laughs> and in regards to continuing to grow, I believe it's important to just continue to read and learn all that you can, and whatever your subject matter is. And for me, it's the mental uh, health. So not just with mental illness and individuals being diagnosed with mental illness, but the resources and the, the self-care. Because as a person who wants to provide care for, in my case, my mother, it can be draining. It is draining. I'm not even going to say it can be. It is draining on a day-to-day -day basis. And for me, I found it helpful for me to actually go to counseling on a regular basis instead of when I'm in crisis i.e. I'm totally overwhelmed with my mom's situation to the point that it's impacting my sleep and my ability to concentrate and things of that nature. So to go on a regular basis, to understand where I'm at my point of exhaustion and need to take a break, you know, whether it's a nap, <laughs> whether it's like calling off all and get stuck and thinking we have to go to the spa or to get a massage or whatever sometimes it's just simply relaxing our minds bodies and souls and just being quiet and being still and i found that very helpful and it's important for me because I, i'm a person who was like i thought it was all a waste of time all this you know journaling and listening to sounds and you know relaxing i don't have time for that i got things to do but as i'm getting older and you know more and more involved with my mother's care. I understand the importance of it and I feel the importance of it. And so I just wanna help bring awareness to other individuals who want to be there for their loved ones because it is not an easy process. It is difficult and challenging, but your love for that person is what keeps you there and keeps you wanting to help them as much as you can. Yeah, well, thank you. Definitely 
self-care and making space. I, I call it making space in our lives, in our mind or in our calendar, in our week, you know, <clears throat> unplugging and really allowing for that expansion because you need okay. it. You're so, yeah, you're so over taxed, over stressed, over relied on. Yes. Yes. Cause it, you can fill up your plate real quick. <laughs> so you have to set boundaries, you know? Yeah. And I just want to leave this with your audience. Um, five things and you know I have it in my book as well but just individuals who do want to be there for their family or their loved one that may have mental illness and number one as we talked about just prayer you know praying and, and asking for strength and, and the energy that you need to to get through it knowing your um, loved one's treatment team it's important to understand those individuals that are involved so that you can know who to contact uh, having direct current contact information for agencies and law enforcement in the community. Unfortunately, with funding being cut, some organizations don't make it. And that could have been the agency that was providing care for your loved one, but now it's switching over to another agency. So it's important to know the uh, current information, contact information. And as we talked about the self-care, it's okay not to be okay for your loved one and for yourself. So you may need help yourself and that could be counseling. You know, it's time to like minimize the stigma, you know, by talking about it, it can help to just understand this is a part of a way. So it's important to just understand and know that this is real, it is here and us continuing to talk about it, bringing awareness and understanding that it is possible to live a, um, blessed life you know with mental illness having a loved one with mental illness whatever the case may be there are resources available and individuals who commit their careers to helping families like mine absolutely well share the name of your book again and where people can find you online sure so my book is called hashtag driven and the forward is by les brown i'm on all social media Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under Corey Empowers. I'm also on LinkedIn. And individuals can contact me by calling 330-452-9937 or going to my website, CoreyEmpowers.com. Okay. Thank you again so much for being here, Corey. <laughs> Thank you very much for inviting me. And it's been a pleasure uh, following your journey from now uh, author and a speaker in your podcast. I'm really proud of you. And thank you for all that you're doing to help uplift others and help them to acknowledge and embrace their awareness. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't rated and reviewed the podcast, and I'm pretty sure you haven't because the last time I checked, there were not very many, I would really appreciate you taking the time to give me some honest feedback. I know that there are a million bazillion podcasts out there to listen to, and I really hope that I bring you value. For 
more information on me or on where to follow me and the guests that I have on, visit amykunkel.com or follow me on Instagram at amy underscore kunkel underscore creative. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.